Good morning. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up, okay? That was the best song ever. That's what one of the kids said as they walked out. So that was pretty exciting. I, uh, I think that was actually the best uh, children's singing I've ever witnessed because there was only two kids that ran off the stage. Sorry. That was, that was, that was pretty good. This morning, we're continuing a series called All I Want for Christmas, and we've talked about different gifts. The first week, we talked about different gifts we might want. Some of you yelled out uh, different things. And today, we're going to talk about the third and the last gift that we're going to talk about in the series. We talked about the gift of Jesus. We talked about the gift of love. And now, I'm not going to tell you what this gift is until we get there. But we're going to talk about a third gift. So if you have our app, you can click the link at the top of the feed to find your notes and then you can find our YouVersion event, and it's our digital bulletin, you might say. So I'm going to pray before we get into the passage this morning. And I could not be more excited for Christmas. Who's excited for Christmas, especially after that? That first song, I like the first song better. I know the kids said, oh, this song's amazing for the second one. But when they started shouting, it's Christmas that first time, that was, I was really excited about that. Singing Christmas trees, the smell of pine, and thinking about all the really, really excited kids on Christmas um, is, is always something I look forward to. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you, and as we get into your word this morning, open our hearts and our minds to what your word says. God, help us to have hearts that are filled with what you would fill them with. Hearts of love, hearts pursuing Jesus, and hearts that are willing to give as you have given to us. Lord, we pray this morning as, as we look at your word, we pray that, God, you would allow us to see ways that you are wanting us to change and transform and that your Holy Spirit can come alongside us and work with us in that transformation. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, amen. I like that. I, I was excited already. Maybe later I'll say amen during the sermon too. Amen. We enjoy gifts. We get a hit of dopamine when we get them. Did you know that? When you get a gift, your brain goes, Woo, yay, you got a gift. It can become an addiction. We actually, there's, there's, something, there's something called a gift addiction. Do you know that? That's kind of crazy. You're, you're addicted to getting gifts. So it can be like one more gift from a relative, one more inner the desire of your heart. It, it could be anything. Just getting a gift. We get really excited, and we like getting gifts. I mean, if you were to come up to me after the sermon and say, Pastor, I really don't like getting gifts, I'm like, I, I don't believe you. Because there's just, there's just no way. We like getting gifts. But God tells us something a little different about gifts. God tells us gifts are meant for giving. And so as the old saying goes, it's better to give than receive. Thankfully, God has given us an opportunity to give to others. Now, we all have limited resources, but the, with the gift that God's given us, we can infinitely give that gift to other people because God has infinite resources. And so that gift is generosity. It's being generous with everything that we are. So what does the gift of generosity mean for us? If you go to Luke chapter 6, 
verse 20. So that's where we're going to be at this morning is in Luke chapter 6, verse 20. It starts, and this passage is one that many of us know from Matthew because it's the, part of the Beatitudes that Luke has here. But he also continues with woes and talking about loving your enemies and judging others. And so there's going to be a lot that we talk about this morning that you might have heard from Matthew, but Luke has a little bit different perspective. So starting in verse 20, it says, And he lifted his eyes up to his disciples and he said, This is Jesus, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when you ha- people hate you and they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. And then he pivots here, and it says, But woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did the false prophets. You may be asking, wait a second, why are we talking about woes around Christmas? Okay, well, there's two groups of people here we need to talk about. There's two groups of people that Jesus mentions. One is the blessed. Those are the ones that identify with the Son of Man. They identify with Jesus. So, so as you go into Christmas, do you identify with Jesus? And they're blessed by God, and, and they share in the kingdom of God. And that group consists of four subgroups. There's four people on that team. There's the poor, the hungry, those that weep, and those that are excluded and reviled. God says you'll be blessed. And the second group has woe spoken over them. And there's four subgroups there. The rich, the well-fed, those who laugh now, and those who are highly regarded. Not the group you would expect to have woe spoken over them. Not the group I would expect that. But this first blessing contrasts with the first woe. Like you have one and then you have the other. So, so it says to the poor, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And so our economic situation has the opportunity to help us or hinder us when, to do, when it comes to doing what God values and God rewards. And so in opposition to the prosperity gospel that's really prevalent in the world, God says here to the poor, you have the kingdom of God. It's not because you have money, it's because you have the kingdom of God because you're pursuing me. It doesn't mean just because you're poor that you have more grace from God. Though even if you've been poor, the reason might be that you're more dependent upon him for everything. And, and the rich from the outside, anyone, anyone watch Instagram ever? Everyone on Instagram is, is showing you like an Instagram life. I recently read that there's a whole industry of people that take pictures on fake planes in fake locations just to fit their Instagram profile and have people follow them. And the whole point is to look rich from the outside and you seem better off, but they're just as spiritually helpless as the poor. So really it's a level playing field is what God's saying here. And they have to overcome the comfort maybe that hides their spiritual neediness. And then there's the second contrast. It's the hungry and the well-fed. And that means both physical and spiritual. Those lacking food generally turn to God for help. 
they generally turn to God because he promises help. And those who find food or are well-fed are less likely that that's going to happen. If you ever notice the Lord's Prayer says, praise for this daily bread because people were, were needing God in a daily sense. God doesn't have a preference for the hungry. He just knows they're more likely to seek help. Simple as that. And then there's this third contrast, which made me think in my head, am I never supposed to laugh again? Why is it say laughing now? So the third contrast is between weeping now or laughing now. And there's two major reasons for weeping now. Think about this for a second. Because of persecution and because the world is evil. It's just evil. It's wicked. So this laughing at evil will now be weeping in the world to come. That's what he's saying here, which is very, very blunt. And then the fourth and last contrast is those that are excluded and reviled versus those who are well thought of by men. We have a choice, and we may not think it's just as as matter-of-fact as this, but I'm just going to make it matter-of-fact. We have a choice, God's favor or the favor of men. We can be content with the favor of others, but in a world that's rebelling against God, that doesn't lead to God's favor. And in all of this life, in all of that, God is being generous with us. And his generosity towards us will produce a generosity in us. Now you may wonder why or where I thought of generosity in this passage. And if you look at this, it may be hard to see. Because if we know what it's like, though, to be poor to be hungry, to weep, and to be excluded, we can be generous with those who are poor, hungry, or weeping, or excluded. It's hard, to, it's hard to be generous with someone that you don't understand and you don't know what they're going through. And our attitudes will change because of that. The poverty of our soul, the hunger of our soul, the sorrow of our soul, the identification of our soul is what makes, when we identify with Jesus, that's what makes us different. And so we're not seeking to be rich, filled, joyful, or well-liked by anyone, but we're seeking God's riches and God's food, his word, God's joy, and God's approval. Because of that, we can be generous with others. Now, those of you that have been with us through this whole series, we started with the gift of Jesus. Jesus was a gift from God. And then we had the gift of love. When we looked at 1 John chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, God is love. He, he came and died on a cross for our sins. And now we have generosity. Generosity is a gift from God, and it's shown different, three different ways. In our attitudes, our actions, and our heart. In our attitudes, our actions, and our heart. Have you ever had a bad attitude, like you wake up with a bad attitude? Okay, some people smirked then, so you must, you must have bad attitudes some days. God has called us to have the right, generous attitude towards others. And, and what these woes are and what the, what the blessings are, it's very clear that it's an attitude issue. It doesn't, it, to God, none, money doesn't matter. I mean, in the end, it's like, He's like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. It's not his, and so it's not part of his kingdom. But does it do things and help us do ministry? Yes, of course. But it's our attitude. And it, when we realize that we have, we're all spiritually needy, that's what this is talking about. That's what we need. 
So if you, if you continue in verse 27, we're going to see our actions towards others. What, what about our actions towards others matter? Like, how can we be generous in our actions? And you see, starting in verse 27, and we'll go through verse 36. This is, this is actually probably one of the passages that no one wants to read because we don't want to give in to what God's calling us to do here. The generosity is so much greater than what we can do on our own without God's power. Verse 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give away to everyone who begs from you, and from whom, from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? I want to pause for a second there. Jesus isn't just addressing anybody. He's addressing his disciples here. Clearly, he's addressing the crowds too. But he's making a point here. Because everyone loves those who love them. You know, if someone likes you, you like them, right? That's how it works. But he says, he, he continues, for even sinners love those who love them. And what, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High God, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. God is calling us to be generous in a way that's sacrificial. There's no other way to think about this. In a way, our natural state, we don't want to do. And in that, God gave us four gifts that are there in this passage. Really, really right at the beginning. And then he gives examples. But the four gifts are love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Is that the first choice for any of you? Any of those four things you really like? Hey, that's the first thing I would do. That's the first gift I'd want to give someone. I want to pray for those that abuse me. No, we want to get back at people. We want to respond, and God is calling us to generosity through love, through doing good, through blessing others, through praying for our enemies. And God gives us four examples of what to do in these situations. You have first, you have generous love. Love your enemies. That's pretty generous. I mean, someone that's hurt you, you're going to love them now? Jesus says, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And, and I know some of us are like, wait a second, are we literally slapping each other? Any of you ever see Veggie Tales? They have an episode where it talks about Jonah, and they have fish slapping. They start slapping each other with fishes. That's not what's going on here, okay? There's not fish slapping. We're not, we're not backhanding each other. Here's the thing. It's not a literal beating. Culturally, what this meant was striking you on the cheek was to describe personal insults. You're insulting someone else. Was it someone actually slapping you? Potentially. But a backhand to the cheek was an insult. And the pagan or natural response is, if you slap me, I'm going to break your neck. That's what their response was. A Hebrew response would have been in kind. You slap me, I'll slap you back. Right? That's just... 
An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We're just going to go back and forth. A slap for a slap. And that's fair, right? But Jesus is saying, when you're being insulted, love your enemy. Don't respond. It's so hard and unnatural. It's unnatural. But that's only one of the four ways God's generosity works in this passage. The second way, generous deeds. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Isn't that the opposite response? You want to repay evil with evil, but God tells us those who hate us, do good for them. Jesus says, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. That sounds like if someone walks into my house, takes my stuff, they really want it, just take it. This might seem easy or might seem an ethic that we could, we could understand a little bit more. So let me put it in context. Do good to those who say Christians are hypocrites. Do good to those that say Christians are bigots. Do good to those in the opposite political party that you have so not nice words for. Do good for those that make your life more difficult. Do good to the people that have hurted you the most in your entire life. There's not an asterisk. There's not a maybe sometimes. It's just do good to those who hate you. Not just some of those people, all of those people. That's why it's hard and that's why it's generous. And then third, you have generous words. It says bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. I mean, what is the opposite of cursing? Blessing. God's calling us to do the opposite. Romans 12, 14 shares the same instructions. It says, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. You know what, you know what Paul does there in Romans? He says, do not curse them because he knows that's what we're thinking. Okay, he knows we're thinking that it, I'm not going to bless this person. I'm going to curse them like they're cursing me because they're persecuting me. But then we need to even take this further. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, tell us this. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. People might treat you like scum, but you're to bless them with your words. And when it says bless them with your words, it doesn't mean just say things and then think different things. It's in your heart. You want to want what's best for them. Pray that they will see the poverty that they have before God and be saved. If they're not a believer, that's, that's the most generous thing you can do. And then you have fourth, Generous prayers. Pray for those who abuse you. Other translation might say mistreat you, torture you. There's different words that are used here. It is impossible to truly pray for someone. I'm saying truly, truly pray for someone and hate them at the same time. If you're really praying for someone, and I'm not saying pray that they might be run over by a bus, okay? That's not a prayer. I'm just being honest. That's not, that's not a prayer. That's it's truly impossible to pray over someone and hate them at the same time. 
We're not talking praying ill over them. We're talking about praying for conviction, salvation, and blessing over them. We're called to have generous love, generous deeds, generous words, and generous prayers. And it's only through the power of God displayed in Jesus Christ that we can do that. Which God gave us as a gift. It's that gift of Jesus, the gift of love, and now the gift of generosity. And I, I, I want to put a disclaimer on this whole section because some of this has been misinterpreted. If you are or have been in an abusive situation, it doesn't mean turn the other cheek, literally. You need to go to someone and talk to them about it and get help for your situation. It also doesn't mean you keep handing money to a heroin addict that feeds their addiction. Even though Jesus says here, give to everyone who begs from you, for one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Yeah, don't demand them back, but it also doesn't mean feed an addiction, be, be a part of something and complicit in something like that. But God does make it clear in the following verses, our generous love looks different. So if I'm going to summarize verse 32 through 36, I'm just going to use Jesus's words. I, I honestly read this and I thought, I don't know why I need to preach it. I just need to read it one more time because this is so important right here. I mean, I'm preaching it, but he says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? That's a good question. For even the sinners love those who love them. How are you different? Jesus is saying, how are you different? And if your generous love is indifferent, it's, it, it's because you love those who love you. And you don't love those who are your enemies. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? For even the sinners do the same. You're not doing good to those who hate you. You're just doing good to those who do good to you. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Have you ever had someone borrow something and you know that the borrowing means that you're never getting it back? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Someone laughed. We know. We know. There's people. I know this. There's certain times you, you say, hey, I'll, uh, can I borrow that? And you know you're never going to see it again. And, you know, I have to realize that, like, anything that someone borrows from me is never coming back. I just, like, I, I just take it. And if they bring it back, it's because they remembered, not because I bugged them. And it says at the end here, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High God, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Leaves me with some questions this morning. Do you love the world, like, like the world, with strings attached? Do you, do you only love those who love you? Are you like the world when you're in your deeds or self-serving? You do good to those who are good to you, but, you know, those other people, no. Are you like the world and curse your enemies and wish ill on your enemies? Are you like the world and don't pray for those that are ungrateful, the evil, the sinners, who just like you need Jesus? So is that you? Or are you filled with generous love, generous deeds, generous words, and generous prayers. True generosity, I mean, if you really look at the word and, and define it, gives without expecting anything back. It just gives. We may wonder, we all have limited resources, right? But we have an unlimited God that's given us some resources that we can give. It gives out of the well of love God has given us that will never run dry. 
But even then, we might have a tendency to be less generous with how we see others, even though we know that we can give the love that God's given us. But generosity is a gift from God. It's not a gift we, we started with. It was a gift given to us. And it's shown in our attitudes, our actions, and our heart. Those are three things that completely transform how we view the world. Even if we are rich, we can be poor. Even if we are well-fed, we can be hungry. When we're pursuing God and pursuing him and being generous like him. Now we're going to look at the generous heart. So we looked at attitudes. Those are some actions. And now look at the, the, the generous heart. And I honestly have been waiting a whole year just to preach this passage. I know you guys are like, oh, wait, what are you talking about? These verses are the most misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible. I mean, I, I was looking this week. If you know verse 37, 38, um, these verses are in a Miley Cyrus song. Okay. They're in a Madonna song. They're in, I, you name an artist that over the last 30 years that is completely not a Christian artist, and they have these words in their song. I kid you not. So let me, let me, let me read these verses, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Verse 37 and 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you uh, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had someone say, "Don't judge me"? The Bible does says that somewhere, right? They may not even know the Bible. You know, the person you're talking to. And so, I'm going to tell you a secret. Americans love this verse because it's misapplied. Judging someone, it, it, when you misapply it, you just think judging someone's the worst of crimes. But there are verses that, that, this is a verse that people quote, even if they don't know there's an Old and New Testament. They don't even really know it's from the Bible sometimes. They just know it's from somewhere. The reason I say it's misinterpreted is because the Bible does call for Christians to judge and condemn sin. In our own lives, and many times in the lives of others, so you might be wondering, what does this actually mean when you take it and in, in look at the whole Bible? It's addressing something different. It's addressing a stingy, greedy heart. Not one that's generous, but one that's judgmental in condemning everyone. You ever met someone that's like that? You ever feel the, the sucking noise as they suck the air out of the room? It's like, because you know they're going to start judging something. Where everything's wrong. You ever feel that way? It's judgmentalism. It's rushing to a judgmental conclusion about others. We, we don't do that for ourselves, right? We're not judgmental towards ourselves. We always have to put it outward, so that's what he's addressing is here. This, this greedy love to condemn others, and we condemn greediness in others. The, the liars call out the liars. Judgmental people lessen their guilt by judging other sins that maybe they're even struggling with. So what, what is judgmentalism? It's at least a spiritual cancer. That's a good, good way of putting it. And, and at worst, a spiritual death. So are you judgmental? I've realized it is so hard not to be judgmental now. Everyone wants us to make judgments. 
Every, every time you read a news story, you read the newspaper, or every time you turn on the TV, they're trying to get you to make judgments about different things. You know? You watch, you watch uh, ESPN. ESPN's a whole channel devoted to talking about sports and making judgments about everybody and their mother in sports. You know, it, there's always something that we're judging or condemning. So does this describe your favorite sport? Is it your favorite sport to start talking and judging other people? Think about it. It's really hard to not do that sometimes. But if that's you, God says his children are merciful, not judgmental. It doesn't mean you don't use your judgment based on God's word. It does mean you're not quick to attack the sin in others. If you're judgmental, your heart isn't generous. You can't be generous with others when you're too busy judging them. Our hearts are not taking hold of the gift that God is giving us. This opportunity for a generous heart. Because generosity is a gift from God. You walked in this morning, and some of you, thankfully, helped the last few weeks. Some of you don't know what we did the last few weeks. We collected gifts for Turning Point, for the homeless shelter in town. And we gave those gifts away because we wanted to be generous. And people gave all kinds of different things. Because it's shown in both our attitudes, our actions, and our heart. It's not just one thing or another. There were a lot of people that made a lot of effort for that to happen. So that people in our community that are poor, as this passage would say, could have Christmas and could do something and could share that with their children. This Christmas, God has given us the gift of Jesus, the gift of love, and the gift of generosity. So what are you going to do with them? When you look at this whole series that we've had this month, we can only give what we've already been given. So by God's gift of love, we can be endlessly generous with others, with our attitudes, our actions, and our heart. Have you ever had a, a struggle in your life with your heart? With being generous with others? There might be someone here sitting in this room or in your family or your friends that you need to go to and confess you've been judgmental and repent of those judgmental decisions. You know, one thing I've learned in my life is I cannot know what someone else is feeling. Yet so many times we make comments that we, we can know what someone else is feeling. I know what their intentions were. I know that they were doing it because of that reason. You know what? All we're really doing is if we were evil in that moment, that's what we would be doing. So we're really just telling someone else how we would act if we're sinning against them. This Christmas, make it different. Be generous with people. Some of us are going to have to interact with people we see once a year that are very difficult to be around. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. You know, Christmas, sometimes family Christmases are all over. We're going to interact with people and we're going to have to be generous with our hearts. There are people that are difficult for us. But this Christmas, be generous. This Christmas, God has given us a gift to be generous in our attitudes towards our neighbors, our family, and our friends. Generous in our actions, 
towards our neighbors, our family, and our friends. And generous in our heart towards our neighbor, our family, and our friends. This Christmas can be different. God's asking you, God's calling you to do something different, to be generous. Down in your heart towards others. So, the one thing that we're here this morning to celebrate is the fact that God gave us a gift that we can be generous with. And I would encourage you, if you haven't heard the last two weeks, go back and listen to them. Because the gift all starts with Jesus Christ and the love that he's given us, that God has pursued us. So give the gift of generosity this Christmas because it's from God, it's not from us. It's out of a well that never ends, never runs dry. So as we continue to worship this morning, I'm gonna pray, but this morning, if you need prayer for something or there's something that you're thinking in your head that you need to repent of, please come over here. We'll have someone sitting up here to pray with you and encourage you this morning. We're just thankful that you're here with us. We say, I'm gonna pray and, and we'll continue to sing. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We know generosity is, uh, it's hard. It's hard to be generous in our hearts. It's hard to be generous with our actions and our attitudes. God, there's a whole lot of things that we struggle with, but we know through your Holy Spirit and the power that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ, that, that we can overcome that. So God, as we go into Christmas and we're spending time with relatives and we're spending time with, with people that we, we may only see once a year, God, give us a generous heart. Let us make this Christmas not about us, but about you. God, we continue to celebrate what you're doing in the church, in our community. God, we pray that this week you would give us opportunities to share the gift of Jesus Christ this Christmas. The gift of your son, the, the fact that he is the solution, he is the remedy, he is the savior of the world. So Lord, we pray for those that do not know him or love him. God, that you would use us as instruments of your grace to share with them and share with our neighbor. We say all this in Jesus' name.